Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz alto saxophonist Arena Terakubo. Originally from Sapporo, Japan, and now in New York City, she just released a very nice 2016 album called A Time for Love. She learned from the great Herbie Hancock early on, and in 2010, she recorded her album Northbird with the legendary Kenny Barron. She is a vital voice in the world of jazz in Japan, America, and around the globe. So get to know Arena and dig this interview, my friends. Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm wonderful. Hey, thank you for taking some time out. I appreciate it. Yes, uh, of course. I'm going to go ahead and dive right in here. And before we get mm-hmm. into your latest album, A Time for Love, talk to me a little bit about what's going on with you lately. I've been practicing every day, eight hours, nine hours, my saxophone, flute, and writing. And um, I'm going back and forth to Japan. I'm playing this festival, like the biggest festival in Japan, it's called Tokyo Jazz Festival. I'm playing yeah. next week. I just had a tour in Japan, and I'm start getting calls in New York and working the club or um, playing everywhere. Like sometimes I I do like branch gig, which is fun. I get to see great musicians here in New York and play with them, talk to them, learn so many things from them. That's great opportunity for me. Right on. So you're from Sapporo, Japan. Talk to me about how you got into not only music, but more specifically jazz. I started playing jazz since I started saxophone. Um, first of all, I, um, I started piano when I was six years old, and I was playing classical music, Bach, and learn, learning songs and techniques, because everyone in Japan was doing... Um, taking piano lessons, the kids in Japan. And when I was nine, I, f- I went to see the jazz concert with my parents, and um, I just fell in love with the jazz music and the saxophone instrument. Why is jazz so big in Japan? It's, it's, it's so popular. Why is that? Um, there's so many great players and clubs, and Japanese people just love jazz and like that feeling of the music. I don't know, but there's so many jazz clubs, great players in Japan. Mm. So when, when you play there, you're getting ready to play the biggest festival in Tokyo. That has to be amazing because I've only heard great things about how the audiences are very quiet, very introspective, and they absolutely love jazz musicians. What's it going to be like to play there? And what is it like to play in Japan? It's really my pleasure always playing in Japan because audience is so supportive and people hear my CD every day and over and over and they are really supportive. And I don't know, it's, I've been playing in Japan since I was like little and since then the same people would come and support me. It's really grateful for me to see those people over years. So you got a great fan base. Yeah. Right on. So let me ask you this. Talk to me about your latest album, A Time for Love. What went into this album and how do you feel about it? So my technique and knowledge, it's, it's not there yet, but I, I uh, made a great album. I, I really like it. And uh, it's going to be my start. Um, entering the New York jazz scene or like United States jazz scene. 
And I, I think I did great start for that album. So when you were growing up, what jazz albums did, did you listen to that really had a big impact on you? I listened to a lot of uh, Cannonball and Coltrane uh, in Chicago. I, I was really fan of Cannonball. And I listened to Bard, Train, everything. But I really liked Bard and Cannonball when I was little. I also listened to David Sanborn and um, some other Japanese fusion, Masato Honda, T-Square, those um, fusion band also. So before we leave childhood here, i got a question. This Tapuro Junior Jazz Orchestra, how important was that for you in your development as a jazz musician? That was really great program that we had in my hometown, Sapporo. Yeah, and, and they would invite Harvey Hancock for the guest or Sadao Watanabe for a teacher. There was great opportunity to get motivated for my practicing every day. And that's how I got, how, how I met the highest level musician around, like in Japan. And, and I practiced a lot because of them. So did you learn from Herbie Hancock? Yeah, he, he just came to our big band, the kids' big band, and he did a clinic player, a few tunes. And, but I, I had a chance to talk to them. I, like, they had a question and answer, and I said some question, I don't remember, but Harvey came to me and told something. I, I still have the picture of that. Me, when I was like 10 year old, and Harvey teaching me something. Right on. So since you were younger, was it always kind of a obvious that you were going to get into music, or did you have other dreams? Uh, always, always I wanted to be a professional musician all over the world. So now that that dream is realized, how does it feel? Not yet. I'm still working on it. But the fact that you're a professional musician in New York and you make your way back to Japan and you're on your way, how does that feel? That's amazing. Yeah, I, I've, I'm so glad, but it was really natural, too. I'm going to talk a little bit about your education here. You were one of the six presidential scholars, and you went to Berkeley. Mm-hmm. What, did you, what did you learn at Berkeley? What did they really give you? I got to meet... The great musician, because um, when I was little, I was always the top uh, saxophonist in Japan. But when I'm in Berkeley, there's so many people who can play like better than me. And I was so surprised how big or how high level Wild is. And sometimes they're younger than me and same generation. The, the best thing I learned was the level, the high level. Of the, um, from the friends, I think um, the the great level of the musician is in Berkeley College of Music, and I also learned the theory and um, how to communicate or how to uh, ensemble, arranging, writing, uh, art history. Those two. You know, as we touched on, you're obviously you know on your way learning professional musician. But a big learning moment for you had to be in 2010 when you recorded Northbird with, with Kenny Barron and Christian McBride. Mm-hmm. What, was, what was that experience like for you? Oh, that was like dream. Yeah. Uh, I had a great time there. 
I wish I could do that again, but I was so little and I didn't know anything, but, but, um, they supported me and that made me want to move to New York. Like I really wanted to move to New York when I graduated, um, Boston Berkeley College of Music because of, um, Mr. Ron Carter. Like I, I really, respect him as a person and a musician. Um, I wanted to work with him and play with him a lot and see him. So in order to do it, I had to move to New York. So that's still one of my dreams. You do, so you go from Japan to Boston to New York. Was there any bumps in the road along the way or did everything kind of naturally flow for you as far as culture shock and those kinds of things? Uh, culture shock. Yeah, there's food is completely different here in the United States and the uh, language. I had to learn English and the culture is different, but it's becoming same. Like even if I'm in Japan or Europe or in United States, me is the same person. I treat people same with the respect. So it's becoming more easy. Perfect. Let, let me ask you this. Everybody, jazz musicians, when they perform, they always talk about having a conversation on stage. What kind of conversation do you like to have when you're on stage musically? What do you like to say with your instrument? Um, I wanted to share my love and my hope, dream, to the audience. And I want them to relax and enjoy their time. Yeah listening to me and um, sharing the time together. You know, as we touched on before, you've traveled from, from Japan to the United States and you've been around. What does travel do for your music? How does it help you as a musician to see the world and to go to different crowds and different places? So in Japan, people, like uh, 90% of the time, people pay attention to your music even if it's good or bad. And they enjoy it, and they say sounds good, even if it's bad. But here, sometimes nobody pay attention when I'm playing at the club, or n not nobody, but few people, you know, different and more real here. Yeah, you have to be really good in your playing. An audience has more knowledge and ears and really honest opinion. Interesting. Very interesting. So let me ask you this. Who would you consider your jazz heroes? I mean, you, we've kind of touched on some names here and there, but who have you admired the most that you've listened to in the jazz world? Of course, Bard, Cannonball, Train, Joe Henderson. Uh, there's too many that I can't. No, that, yeah, no, that's good. That's a good list. That's a good list for sure. So let me ask you this more generically. Why do you love jazz? This is the most difficult question, but I just, in the jazz music, my life is like everything related to jazz since I started saxophone. So I don't know why. I like classical music. I like rock. I like fusion hip-hop or, like, wild music, interested in jazz or especially bebop. I think it's the 
greatest music, and I want to learn, learn it. I want to find out. What is one of the nicest things, or what is something that a fan has said to you about your music that you really remember? Oh, my fan. Sometimes people come to me and, like, you sound really great, and that, that's really good enough for me. I don't know. I can't think of it, but there's so many compliments that I've gotten before. Like, uh, they re- always remind me that I'm great player but because sometimes i forget that how good i am but fan t- tell tells me that and reminds me that i'm great player so yeah. that's the best compliment all the time so what is next for you you got a new album on the horizon i know you got the big festival coming up and you travel quite a bit to japan but what is on the horizon for you i think i'm going to have a new record coming up from the same record company, um, uh, Corey Weed's Fela Live, and next year, and I have um, tour coming up um, in Japan and p- playing everywhere in Manhattan. Yeah, um, you can you can check my schedule from um, myname.com. This is my final question for you. Everybody has a perception of who you are, your family, your friends, those that you play live for. But when you wake up in the morning and face the world, who do you think you are? Who do I think I am? Hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm me. It's all, all the, always the same person. And as soon as I wake up, up I'm going to think about what I'm going to do today. Like I'm going to practice this, this, go to this meet this person. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to have a great morning every day. I think that's a yeah. great way to wrap everything up. Arena, thank you very much for your time and for your story and, and most importantly, all of your music. It's great stuff. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in Japan, America, and spots all over the globe giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Arena for her time and her music. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store or visit the neonjazz.blogspot.com for all things neon jazz. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.